Hello, friends. Welcome to the podcast. This is episode 47. Something like that. 47 of the Questions Podcast. You know, I think that officially, even though it's only week 47, episode 47, because we skipped a few weeks here and there, I think it's officially like the one-year anniversary of us starting this, because we started it like the second or third week of January last year. I'll go with that. I mean, you, you make up a lie, I'll swear to it. It's not a lie. It's on the internet. It's an estimation. It's on the internet, man. Yeah. You can look back. You can oh, look well, back. if it's on the internet, it's true. Yes, indeed. Absolutely. Filled with spiritual minty freshness. Calm trails and cold-blooded love. Calm trails? I'm just teasing. It's no, a conspiracy, conspiracy thing. You can't even see calm trails right now because uh, it's cloudy. Yeah. What is a calm trail? Con trail, isn't it? No. Oh, is it a con trail? Con trails? I have no Not idea. Not like an entrail. It's I know, different. I know that there's conspiracy theorists out there that think it's all about weather control and stuff like that. Chemicals. Probably it. Maybe they're seeding the clouds. I guarantee the Illuminati's involved in this. They're somehow. absolutely involved in that. Absolutely. They faked the moon landing. They faked 9-11. They faked everything. And they killed the Twinkie. Yeah. And they're the ones that control the distribution of eggnog. Exactly. And boy, you go to the... You think I'm being, you know, paranoid? You are paranoid. Go... Okay, thank you. It's a spiritual gift. But you go to the store today and go try to buy some eggnog. Good luck, people. There's got to be a place that sells eggnog year-round. you got to manufacture your own this time of year. you got to be do-it-yourselfer. Have you ever tried to make your own eggnog? No, but I found it rather intriguing. Making it? Yeah. Does it use egg yolks? I think so. I would assume so. I think there's booze in it, though. No. No. I think nutmeg. No? I have no idea. I think people put nutmeg in their eggnog. I think we should I think probably find out what it's made of. Yeah. Well, we have the compendium of knowledge right at our fingertips google the lugugly the you googleizer yeah google 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 hey speaking of google uh, i was reading an article and uh, that was a great is that a good thing yeah no, no no i was reading this article about um google maps and not just google maps but apple maps and your phone whether you have an apple phone or one of those substandard android devices is that what those things are yeah yeah i heard there was another phone out. how they are keeping track of every one of your movements and by default... Whoa, hang on a second. No, 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 no listen. By Define default, movement. By default... No, not those movements. <laughs> by default, they are keeping an ongoing record of everywhere you go. And so in the location services on your phone... That's creepy. And so to validate this, just today, I was looking at the location services on my system preferences on my phone here. And if you scroll to the very, very, very bottom after everything, like kind of hidden there at the bottom, is there this little thing that says significant locations. And under significant locations, it has to use your ID, your password or your face ID, if you've got an Apple device like I do. It keeps a running record of everywhere I've gone for the last year, everywhere I've stopped. Sting was right. Everywhere you stop, it's on there. Sting was right. Yeah. Every breath you take, I'll be watching Every move you make, Apple's watching you. Yeah, that's creepy. Yeah. So, you know, that thing doesn't work right all the time. So I have a location thing. <laughs> no, that was working. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, I, I have this, lo- yeah, just to the gym, right? So I have this location thing. Yeah, And Strava. Uh, well, no, I, I well, before I had Strava, but there's the, uh, you know, it locate your iPhone. On- oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so my wife has it because when I'm mountain biking, she figures she every time. She wants to make sure if you've stopped for too long in one place, you're not having a heart attack. Yeah, where to find the body. Because right. without a body, it's hard to get the life insurance, I'm sure. Maybe so, not, though. Well, I don't know. I mean, there could be pieces and coyotes and whatever. But right. anyway, 
Um, so we have that. So she was trying to figure out where I was one day and she doesn't want me picking up my phone while I'm driving. Uh huh. And it said I was in the middle of the Mount, the Carmel mountain golf course. It just said you were sitting there in the middle of the golf course. Now she knows that the golf course is closed. Right. So her first thought is, Oh Lord, he has rolled the car off the freeway and he's in the middle of the golf course. Yeah. And then she checked like two minutes later and it said I was at cross connection. That's so there was you, a, you fly fast. I was You're driving a like a Pentecostal, man, driving against the spirit of well, darkness. Well, brother. how do you feel about your technology keeping an ongoing record of everywhere you've gone? I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it, man. It's Big Brother. They say that it's top secret and no one really has access to it, but it's kind of weird. I don't believe that for a second. There's a whole move now. I guess people are turning off the location services on their phones because they're afraid of being tracked. But then it's like your maps don't work the same way. And I've gotten pretty used to like... Just saying to the little voice that resides on my phone that I shall not use her name because she'll start speaking to us in the middle of our podcast here. But I just say, hey, give me directions to the nearest, you know, Chick-fil-A because that's, you know, unless it's Sunday because they're... I love the Chick-fil-A. They're closed on Sunday. Yeah, closed on Sunday. You my Chick-fil-A. I love the lemonade. With the lemonade. Yeah. yeah. You're my number one with the lemonade. So Kanye. Ah, oh, so yeah. Kanye. Hashtag so Kanye. Hey, uh, so so I have a one uh, day. Preacher, I've got my own news story about that. On about that, about yeah. what? Yeah. So um, some of the major universities, particularly back east, are using then an app that uses the location services on your phone to track all their college students. You have to do this, and it's how you they find out if you're actually attending class. Oh wow! They find out if you're in high risk places as far as parties. Oh. And like for the football team, they have a curfew. And the football team, they know, or sports teams, they know if their athletes are out past a certain time. Sounds like Puritans, man. It's total big brother. Yeah. And it says the students are not up in arms about it because they're basically trading their private information for safety. What a trick, dude. That's creepy. These people need to wake up. Yeah, smell a lasagna. Wake up, millennial. Exactly. Okay, boomer. Yeah. That's the new one. You heard that one? That hashtag? What? Okay, Boomer. Oh, they that say sounds it's derogatory. A, it is a derogatory way yeah, that millennials you, are like, okay, Boomer, you, whatever. You want to see Boomer? <laughs> Call me that and watch what happens to your lip, okay? You know, just saying. <laughs> you want to see Boomers? I get some old people got old now, people strength. You were born in 1964, right? So is that the tail end of this? Yeah, thing? so we'll call you Gen X. Well, I'm more identify with Gen X. Yeah. All my music and all those other things. Because you I listen, listen to, to punk rock. Yeah, I love punk rock. Punk, punk rock is great. definitely Gen X. There is needs to be more Christian punk rock songs. Yeah, we've kind of moved away from that. I know. Yeah. I loved those. Punk kind of really started to go out of style with the alternative movement in the late 90s. Yeah. That was pe- kind of like when I was coming of age with alternative, music. Alternative, no jobs, all that stuff. Yeah. Come now. Come on now. now. You got a job? Well, see, I, I sit on the border of millennial Gen X, so I kind of identify with millennials, like the senior class. I'll call myself the senior class of millennials. That means I have a job and I own a house and I have kids. Exactly. Okay, millennial. Yeah. So it, I try to not be I try to not be derogatory towards millennials because I really there's a lot of millennials I like. We have some of them on our staff. They're yeah. good people. But I have met some recent millennials that's like, no, you need to live in the real world. They're like a millennial. This is yeah. There you go. <laughs> like yeah, I don't get it. A millennial. The that's guys is you know hashtag playing space invaders in his mom's basement and he's thirty years old. Yeah. So so I was on the social media last night. 
And uh, how did why did you do that? Well, I only look at Instagram occasionally, but the first thing that showed up on okay. my Instagram. Hold on, hold on. You're gonna Phew. like this. You're gonna oh. like this. Preachers and sneakers showed up. Really? And uh, Levi Lusco is sporting the fifteen hundred dollar boots on Preachers and sneakers. Hashtag whole armor. Hashtag shod your feet. So yeah, he made Preachers and sneakers. Did he? Did he buy those? I don't know, but $1,500 for those ugly boots. That is not good. For those of you who don't know what Preachers and Sneakers is, there's this awesome Instagram guy, Preachers and Sneakers, and he posts these pictures of preachers wearing way too high-priced shoes. It's kind of like, come on, really? You well, some of those? these guys are wearing shoes that are like three and $4,000, yeah, right? Yeah, well, those are $1,500 boots. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I got Preachers and Sneakers. I'm wearing Vans. Wow, very nice. I buy them on sale. Like, I got my Doc like Martens. I got them for bucks. Christmas. My wife got them for me for oh, Christmas. Oh, Doc Martens are cool. They were $68 on Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. All the British, tele- when I was in uh, Scotland, yeah. all the British like telecom worker guys wore those. Like people who legit like went to work and you know what else I like about Doc Martens boots. On the bottom of them? They're very punk rock too. Ooh. There's the a yellow cross. the bottom of your soul is a cross. A yellow cross. Kind of like. Cross Somewhat connect. like a cross connection cross, but ours would be orange, not yellow. Yeah. Well, you know. It's a form of orange. There I'll call go. yellow a form of orange. It's just not fully blossomed. Right. Exactly. It hasn't matured. That's right. It's it's growing. It's like a tangelo tree. Right. So, and by the way, my tree is Angelo the Tangelo? Yeah. Um, Jason was saying his tangelo tree is going off too. Brother went off. Yeah. I mean, it, it was Now, great. do yours have seeds or are they pretty much seedless? No, mine have seeds. Oh, okay. He but, was saying that most of his are mostly seedless, which is good. Yeah, it's kind of a blend. Some you get like one seed, some no seeds. And now, when some you pull one off, does it take like the top off and like get it all ready for you to peel? Pulls part of it. It depends away. what oh. your angle and speed. Man, and you that. know that you know you got a good tangelo when it's when like, it, yeah when the top breaks off. The top that thing is oh, ready. So good. Uh, what's your favorite fruit? Hmm. I don't eat a lot of fruits. My wife gets mad at me. She says I need to eat more. I probably like, you know what I really like a lot? Navel oranges. Really? And I used to work for the Hillebrecht family when I was a kid. Oh, down the street from me. I worked at the, the farm stand, Franz Farm Stand, and Farm Stand West, which is by Bethel Baptist. Right. And uh, a couple times I would go work up at the house, which is not far from where you live. Yep. Out off a of skyline. They got a beautiful house. They do. And they had this big um, orange cleaning and packing station out there yeah. and man when the navel oranges were ripe i'd go up there and help them with those things and you could like eat all you want they were the best navel oranges on the planet so good so they let you eat all you want well you can only eat so many oranges that's you know what i mean oh yeah i had that happen yeah. to a dog once it's not good. oh yeah you can only eat so many so it's kind of like they would say eat all you want and they knew you'd only do that once right right yeah hmm. that's about all that needs to be said about that yeah that's mm-hmm. That's a yeah. A That's all Gump I got to say about yeah, that. <laughs> I felt forest. The spirit of forest coming yeah. on. Um, I love. Do you know what the fruit is called? Loquats. Uh, yeah, they're the little the little guys, right? Yeah, yeah. and there's well, a what's lo- the difference between a kumquat and a loquat? They're different, and yeah. they have this big gnarly. Because I'm not seed thinking of a and, the right uh, thing, maybe. Uh, no loquat, and so lo- loquats. Yeah, kumquat looks like a little tiny miniature orange. Okay, that's what a I was loquat thinking. Loquat is loquat. yellow. I don't know a loquat. Yeah, if they get you know. And so, but the thing about loquats is they're like good all at once. Huh. So, oh, you have to eat them quick. Yeah, they're, they they're do not keep well. They would never sell loquats in the store. But okay, I, do you for, like? I love those things. Do you like figs? Because figs are kind of like I that. like figs. Yeah, I've only had a, figs a couple times where I was like, oh yeah, that was relatively good. But you got to get them at the right time, or oh. they're not so great. I like kiwis too. Kiwis are great. Do you eat the skin? Sometimes I eat the skin. 
Wow, you're it's gnarly, good. dude. Well, it, it's just the right amount of sour tartiness. Ooh. Yeah. Now, see, we just got some um, passion fruit uh, vines at my house. Don't think I've ever eaten passion fruit. You guys don't need any more passion around that children's house. Well, I know. There's a lot of love over yeah. there. But anyway, um, the uh, that's right. We've got stuff going on. I got two grandkids on the way. Oh, I didn't know if you were going to broach the topic on the... Well, no, we are. I'm excited. The pot smash. I'm going to probably... Well, I don't know when our listeners will so hear So you it. are officially going to be a grandpa. Yeah. I'm going to... I'm, I have Mark. My oldest son has a grandchild on the way, and his wife have a grandchild on the way. We'll be here in April. Uh-huh. That's and, pretty quick. Yeah. And then uh, we just found out yesterday. Garrett and Grace. Garrett and Grace. Praise God. Okay, so uh, Garrett was telling me that his mom and dad... Well, his mom... Yeah. She's contemplating what she wants to be called as grandma. Lolly. Lolly. And then grandpa's going to be pop. Lollipop. Yeah. Do you have a a chosen grandpa name? Not yet. No? Well, what do you think? What do, you, what do we think we're leaning towards? Papa? No. No. I don't know. I mean, I like Fearless Leader. That's not a grandpa name. Benevolent Dictator? No, that's not. No. How about Champ? Emperor you know I mean? Palpatine? Yeah. So, I mean, we call my dad the chief. Yeah, that's like a good one. It fits him perfectly. Yeah. Well, it's, he's the chief. He totally fits him perfectly. So, I don't know. I'm going to let them name me because I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not that, you know, I'm not that OCD. Right. I'll, I'm going to let the Holy Spirit just. You, you want do them that. to give you the name. Right. Exactly. Whatever they think. I mean, I gave my dad the name the chief. I like the German names Oma and Opa. Those, Those are, are kind of cool. Those are yeah. good. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, that's also, uh, I think, and Tagalog is something like that, too. Opa Maybe. means something like Opa. That. Yeah. Oma and Opa. Dude. I have a friend whose kids call him Abba. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, and he's not Jewish. No? He's from New Jersey. Oh, boy. Yeah. Well, there's Jewish people from New Jersey. Well, he ain't Jewish. He's okay. Italian from New Jersey. Ooh. Yeah. Of course, in today's world, you need to do your 23 and Me because like Jason he's found out. He's probably not even Italian. They weren't even Italian. They found out they were Jewish. Well, like like 1%. No, like not even enough to go play seven, at the Wailing Wall. Seven or eight percent. Oh, more than they were Italian. Whatever. They had an Italian flag. He's as white as Jim Gaffigan. Well, no, well, Jason's not Italian. Yeah, he's I was Dutch. gonna say he is. Yeah, like I said, he's as white as Jim Gaffigan. Yeah. So, anyway, hmm. we'll see. Truly, truly, my brothers were one's one percent African, and the other one's like one point seven. There you go. I almost want to do it. I want to be African. Yeah, like, my cool. wife. My wife did the the DNA test thing. Yeah, I got it for her because she really wanted to try it. And I got her the for like they have like a Mother's Day special, so I got that. And the first time she sent it in, and they, you know, wrote her back and they sent her a new one and said you didn't give us enough of a, a saliva sample, wow. not enough spit. So he's like, you got to give us more spit. Yeah, yeah. So she goes, I'll give you. Come here. Yeah. So she sent it in, and you know. Were there any surprises? No, not really. It was kind of what she expected, kind of English and Northern European, Scandinavian, that whole deal. Yeah, see, my family, there was pretty much no surprises. I'm not doing it. I Sometimes I feel like I'd like to try it, but uh, yeah, I haven't done it yet. I don't know if anybody in my family, I don't think my mom has done it or my sister or brothers. I don't think any of us have done it. I just don't want my now, DNA I have a sister out there, in -law. man. I have a sister-in-law who was adopted and uh, never knew her biological parents, Uh huh. and she did it. And she met her dad through it, and he didn't even know he had a kid. Ooh. Yeah. So she That's got to meet her dad. Cool yeah, that's kind of cool surprise. Yeah. She uh, went and met family she didn't know she had. 
Yeah, it was kind of cool. I had a cousin that uh, was reintroduced to her dad. I don't know that she ever even met him. And it was kind of a cool thing because I think they were Christians. Yeah. So it was kind of a cool thing. So I was at a, a family gathering. This is a couple of years back. And uh, this is my part of the family that's not not so much Christian churchgoers. And one of my family members was giving this very, you know, contemplative, you know, leading the conversation about how amazing all this DNA stuff is showing us. Do you guys realize we have a common ancestor? I'm sitting there and going, yeah. 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 We've kind of been saying that for thousands of years, buddy. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. We all go back. Yeah. Uh Like, I I don't know you from Adam. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway. But everybody sitting there was like, wow, that's so amazing. I was like, did you just, when was the last time you guys went to church? People. Come on now. Jeez. Book get of a, Genesis. Get a glove. Get in the, the game. beginning. God made the heavens and the earth. The earth was out. Did you bust into a 40 minute sermon on? Yeah. They deserved and it. And God said, let us make man in our image. Form man, dust of the ground. 11th freedom, commandment. Life. Don't be lame. There you go. Okay. Wow. That's not in there. So, yeah. Um, I'm not doing it. I don't want to get linked to some crime or something. And you, you're quite, we're quite sure you would. Absolutely. Yeah. So, no way. They, the government's got nothing on me, man. Well, except I just told them. But anyway. It's recorded. That's okay. Recorded. It's law. We're going to use your toothbrush or your hairbrush to do a DNA sample and figure out. Hey, well, look what happened to Superman, man. What happened to Superman? They took a lock of his hair. Yeah. And they made another Superman. Almost killed him. Is that how they, they made Doomsday? Who tried ah, to This get is him? an old Superman. Oh. I don't know. I don't know superheroes so well, especially DC. I don't either. Except I the, just one, the one superhero I really like. He's a DC guy. Who's that? Batman. Batman's awesome. My favorite Batman. That's why quote? I want a cyber truck. Because th- if Batman had a truck, I bet my favorite cyber quote is the. Or excuse me, Batman quote is the same as yours. Like Spider Man. Uh huh. They're getting in the car, and Spider-Man... Oh, I didn't see the movie, but oh, I remember didn't. you telling me about he this. Goes, this is Batman versus Superman or something like that? I, I no. don't know which one it was. I think it was. And Spider-Man's like, so what's your superpower? And Batman, as he's climbing into his Mercedes, goes, I'm rich. Yeah, there you go. And I'm like, that was funny. Where does he get those fancy toys? He, oh, man. Yeah. He has a cool car. He has a cool plane. He has cool toys. It's awesome. So if you're going to hang with one superhero, who would you want to hang with? Batman or Iron Man. Iron Man would be fun. Iron Man's pretty cool. Although I will say that Robert Downey Jr. made Iron Man cool. Iron Man. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't read comic books growing up. Did you read comic books? Nope. Yeah, I wasn't no, a comic no. book guy. I wrote so Mad Magazine these... for a while. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. There uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I, none of these none of these characters are like beloved characters for me. So, but yeah, Iron Man. I think I think Robert Downey Jr. did a good job. Can you that. imagine what it would like to go fishing with Aquaman? See, I so. I saw some people watching Aquaman and I tuned in for like maybe a five minutes. I was like, this has got to be one of the dumbest movies I've ever seen. I'm sure I'm going to upset somebody out there, but I actually liked dumb. it. Did you? Yeah, I did. Oh, okay. Well, there, there were some go. great lines in there. Yeah. But you know, the best part of the movie was what? when the movie was all over, cause all it is is just water and all the stuff going all the time. Right. So the best part of the movie is, is if you get out of the movie and I had to go to the restroom and there was an old guy in there older than me, that doesn't mean that much older. And he goes, Oh gosh, he's just standing there and he goes, I had to go so bad. And all there was in that movie was water. It just makes it worse. And just the torture of listening. I mean, I could never have one of those Zen fountains. That's for sure. Power of suggestion. Wow. So here we are. Yeah. 
Should we do some questions? Uh, yeah, we should probably talk, talk yeah, the about only, other things. The only news story I had was the one that the technology is keeping track of where right. we're going. And I had the one, all I had was like Duke University and they, they the kids They're like. They're keeping track of where all those yeah. kids are going. Yeah, which, you know. I mean, I could see if the parents were keeping track because they're well, paying you know for they the money. But uh, that's creepy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not into it. Anyways, the other side is like, hey, services track away. Me. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I think the one that that kind of freaks me out the most is when you're talking about something and then next thing you know, it you know your, your phone, phone is listening to you because it's sending you advertisements about the things you were just talking about. Like, we'll go on there. I'm sure there'll be an advertisement for Duke University because you were just talking about Duke University. You think so? We'll look in a few oh, minutes. Oh, probably. I guarantee it. It's it's Duke University. Yeah. yeah. And then, um, well, the funny one was the other day, Missy was thinking something. Yeah. And it showed up on her phone. She's like, oh, It was no. reading her mind? Oh, no. So, you know one cool thing that I think that Apple did on this latest iteration? Huh. Uh, where they actually show you how much time you spent on the phone and what you've done with it? Hmm. And it's... Oh, it, the thing that... The screen time. Screen time. I don't like that. I love it. It's not I'm helpful. I'm like, you know what? I was on there for two hours a day. That's ridiculous. Ridiculous. So, forget about it. Oh, well. All right. Well, hey, I was, you know, listening to your sermon. I'm glad you listened to it. It was good. You had some big words in there. I was using some okay words. Is it historicity or historicity? Historicity. Okay. Did I use historicity? Yes, you did. What was the context? I don't even remember saying that. I, you're talking about the, you know, uh, evidence for miracles. Oh, the historicity. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, that's, yeah, historicity. Is there a word as historicity? No, it's just all in the way you say it. Okay. I was going to say, tomato. I've heard it both ways. Is it preface or preface? I don't know. Preface. Tomato, tomato. Hmm. Yes. So here we go. Is Christianity, number one, is Christianity a religion or a relationship with our creator? Yes. Uh, How many times have you heard that old line? Yes. That's my answer. Yes. C. Uh, I think it's both. I think God... In Christ makes it possible for you and me to have a relationship with God in heaven, to be connected with God. And there are certain religious things that we do on a regular basis. Disciplines. Disciplines, rituals, things that we do having to do with worship and prayer and fasting and giving and serving and all those kind of things. Reading, yeah. Uh, So you could call those religious. Good works. Yeah. So yeah, I think both. But those practices... In the adherence to those practices and the rules that the Bible teaches us and give us are born out of a relationship. Or they should the, be. should be born out of a relationship with the author and our creator. Right. And so... Um, yeah, because, I mean, it, you can have all the ritualistic, religious sort of thing going on in your life and not have a relationship with God. Right. There will be benefits. To just the religious thing? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. There will be some benefits, but the, you won't get the, you're not going to get the real deal. Right. You're going to, yeah. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to smell the coffee, but you're really not going to get to drink it, so to speak. So anyway, hmm. you know, it's. Uh, for a long time, I liked the smell of coffee and not the taste. So that would have been just fine for me. Really? Yeah. Do you, do you like coffee now? Again? I like coffee now. I like really, really, really strong coffee. I kind of got you back drinking coffee, didn't I? I've been drinking it for a while. No, but I think when I came back, when I came here, I think that was part of it. I started hitting it heavy. When you and I went and got an espresso maker together at Bed Bath and Beyond, that was hysterical. <laughs> I can't wait to tell that story here at this church. I think I'm telling it right now. What? Just yeah, we went to Bed Bath and Beyond together to buy a 
an espresso maker. And the guy looked at us like, "You looked at me." What in the world? I put it on the counter, and and I put it on the counter, and he goes, "Would you like a receipt?" I go, "No, it's for us." And he goes, "Oh." And were we in my little BMW that time? Well, yeah. So you were totally behind me. You didn't catch the whole thing. And you turn around and you go, "What's up?" And I go. Let's just get out of here. <laughs> and you're like, what the heck are you doing? I go, come on, let's get out of here. Oh, and we get outside and I'm dying. And he, what is so funny? I said, that dude thought we were a couple homosexuals out trying to furnish our apartment, sweetie. And I'm, he's like, oh my gosh. I go, now let's let's get in our little BMW Roadster. And that thing was so tiny. We couldn't hardly hold it. We the, could hardly put the, the espresso, the espresso maker in there. And we ended up taking that one back because it wasn't very good. Right. So, oh, my, oh gosh. my gosh. But he told, we got judged. Man, oh, man. Yeah. So, I think that was the last time I rode in that car with you. Probably. They probably saw us pulling up there and go, hey, check these guys out. No, it's Bed Bath & Beyond. Yeah, that's true. They don't judge. Anyway. Yeah. Moving on. Okay. It's a relationship All with right. Jesus. Number two. What other evidence of transcendence is there in addition to the five evidences for transen- ten- transcendence, 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 transcendence. transcendence. You have um, a hard time with that word? I don't know why I do, because I normally can say that. We just don't I, use It's that not word part of my repertoire? everyday vernacular. Your repertoire? Yes. Vernacular. Sir, that was a vernacular. good, good word you, go. you chose there. Uh, anyway, transcendence you shared on Sunday. So I'm assuming about they're talking about it in the Bible. So... I mean, gosh, there's Abraham's encounter. Oh, oh, you, well, no. So, so I gave five evidences on Sunday right. for Jacob. Five evidences for transcendence. Five evidences that there is a reality beyond this reality. Oh, oh, oh okay, okay. But they're so, looking for evidence. Okay. So, no, I think. So the the question: What other evidences besides those five evidences? So I talked about the fact that we have a desire for transcendence is an evidence. I talked about historic accounts of transcendent historicity yeah historicity historicity so jacob and peter and all those things all right then i talked about prophetic fulfillment which is alludes to the fact that there is a god because there are these predictions and they come to pass and i use the nation of israel as one of them and then i talked about contemporary evidences miracles and i talked about near-death experiences and then i talked about my own personal experiences of transcendence so are there other evidences there's a whole bunch of different uh, philosophical proofs for the existence of God or evidences for the existence of God. One of them that even a number of atheists, like very well-known atheists, mm-hmm. often say this is a good argument, is the argument, um, the anthropic principle or the fine-tuning of the universe, that everything is really, really fine-tuned and it seems to imply that there is a creator who set everything in order perfectly. And uh, so, yeah, if you go and read on the cosmological argument or the uh, anthropic principle you go online and look at those things up you'll find all kinds of evidences uh fine-tuning there's a great author stephen meyer i think his name is and uh he's a philosopher but he's also a scientist and um, he's got some great writings on the whole issues of fine-tuning in the universe that points to intelligent design so it's interesting there's quite a few engineers that are christians because they see design a lot universe. of physicists and yes. math, mathematicians too. Yeah, they're, so they're not dummies, right? Um, it was. Uh, you ever been to Reuben H. Fleet Space oh, yeah, Center? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, they had this big uh, display one time. I remember being down there with the kids, and we're there, and they were talking about this billion old year, you know, old universe and all this. 
And it says the it says the universe by design. And it was talking about the design of the universe. Right. And so my kids were there and I just asked them, I go, if something has been designed been designed, what does that mean? And they're looking at me, I go, Does it mean that it had to be designed by somebody? And they're like, you know, you got a point there, boss. If you have if you can see design in the universe, there needs to be a designer. Right. And so there it was kind of uh you know, is it there wasn't an agreement to say that the universe had design yet really be saying there's no designer. Right. So that's the anthropic principle that everything is finely tuned exactly. for Exactly. Yeah. And then there's Philanthropic, one anthropic, yeah, whatever. No, 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 no. Anthropic. Anthropic. Oh, like anthropologist, but well, optic. Anthropos yeah. is man. Yeah, right? I knew there was a Greek thing Life. involved in here, and so anthropic—the fact that we exist, humans are here—you know—it's finely tuned for life. Mm. The universe is. There's another one called the Kalam cosmological Ooh. argument, and the Kalam cosmological argument—it has a series of, you know, kind of statements, logical statements. Whatever begins to exist has a cause. Do you agree with that? Yeah. So whatever begins to exist has a cause. The universe began to exist. Therefore, the universe has a cause. And God is that cause. Right. Right. I'm down. Yeah. What's your favorite Greek word? My favorite Greek word? I'm going to go with agape. Really? Yeah. I like euros. (laughs) (laughs) Are you hungry, Mark? Yeah. No. Uh, Well, it is getting near dinner. Yeah. I like, well, agape is a great word. Yeah. Plus, you know, you sound so weird when you say it. Yeah. Because it doesn't sound like an English word. The other one is chamal, which means like compassion. That's Hebrew. Oh, that's right. Yeah. on it. That's right. It's out of the Old Testament. Right. Man, screwed that one up. Yeah, totally. Okay, I'm staying with Euros then. There you go. No. Agape You know, you know a little Greek and a little Hebrew? Yeah, just a little. The greatest thing in the world is when you're teaching a, uh, a, in a pulpit and you throw out a Greek word that you've studied the, the roots of and you pronounce it and there's yeah. two Greek people in the audience like, that no, I know. No, that ain't Apostolus it, and Ismini were their name. The great people, love them to death and they would just shake their heads and you were like, You Man, butchered I, that one, dude. I struck that one out. Yeah, yeah no. Come to my is right, Hebrew. Come to my little diner and I'll give you a euro. Yeah. I'll explain to you how you said that word wrong. Yeah. Agape. Agape. All right. Agapao. Cool. Yeah. Euroclidon. Yeah. Koinonia. Koinonia. Fellowship. Communion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's really lame. Hmm. When Christians buy boats, yeah. they name them Koinonia all the time. Really? Yeah. There's a lot of Koinonias out there? Yeah. Well, that's a good... When people look know, at that and come go, on the boat. what does that mean? Not fellowship. If I get another boat, I think I'm going to name it like the Fish and Chips or something. Nice. Yeah. I thought it was going to be Dock Total. Well, that'll be my best boat. I don't know. I'll get my best boat now, but we'll see. Ah, we'll see right. if that lotto ticket pays off or whatever. I don't play the lotto. You know why? Because uh, it's a waste of money. If you don't play, it's you unwise. Can't, if you don't play, you can't lose. Right. That's good. Can't win either. All right. So number three, um, is your personal experience valid? Or well, did we answer that second question? I think we did. Okay. Good. Is your is, is our, our personal experience valid as evidence of transcendence, or is that too subjective? That's a good question. Because okay, I uh, I brought up um, that one of the evidences that there is a reality beyond the reality we perceive with our senses 
is our personal experience of transcendence or a reality or a being beyond this reality. So is that subjective? I guess in one sense you could say it's subjective, but the experiences of a person doesn't necessarily mean that those experiences are wrong. They should be tested and questioned and mm-hmm. that sort of thing, but it doesn't mean that they're wrong. Um, so if I experience that the stove is hot and then I make the claim, the stove is hot, it's not like I'm not speaking truth. My personal experience of the hot stove has proved, hey, be careful touching that. Yeah. So in that sense, personal experience is uh, valid. Yep. Verifiable. So, yeah. Yeah, I got my brother to lick a horse fence once. Uh, an electrified one? Yeah. He did that? Yeah. You are such a nice big brother. Oh, uh, well, he was going to pee on it, so You're that was another J-E-R-K. thing. J-E-R-K. You pee on a horse fence? Uh, I don't even want to hear it. It's a transcendental experience, There's man. a Simpsons episode where they have a, uh, a board game, Don't Whiz on the Electric Fence. <laughs> really? Yeah. Is that like Operation? Yeah, kind of. Oh, wow. The Simpsons. Oh, man. Wow. See, there you go. You know Disney Plus has 36 seasons of The, the Simpsons? Simpsons? I think it's like 36 seasons. I'm not sure I need that much indoctrination. Oh, man. Wow. My wife got so mad at me because I, I showed the kids The Simpsons, Simpsons. And I guess growing up, my wife was like forbidden from watching The Simpsons. Well, so are my kids. And she was so upset that I showed Ethan The Simpsons. Really? And he was just like cracking up. Because one of the first episodes, it's classic. Homer... You know, he's realizing that they're having some problems with the family. Everybody's not getting along very well. And he sees a commercial for like a psychologist who promises to help with family therapy. Oh, really? And so he takes the money that they were saving to buy a new TV and he pays hundreds of dollars to take the family to family therapy. Oh, that's, I've seen that. And the, the, the therapist hooks them all up to this electrocution thing <laughs> yeah. where they're able to electrocute yeah. each other. Yeah. And they just start electrocuting each other like crazy just to be mean. And it like causes the entire power grid to go down in all of Springfield. And um, so the psychologist, he had this promise that if he doesn't fix your relationship, he has to give you your money back and like double it or something like that. So at the end of the episode, he kicks them out of the out of his office. And Homer's like, pay up, man. You didn't fix us. So they got the TV and the whole thing. Now, <laughs> let me guess. It made them all feel better. Shocking. Yeah, when they, oh, it was yeah. It was so wow. funny. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite... Simpsons episode yeah is when Homer goes to church Homer goes to church yeah well he goes to church a number of times yeah Flanders he's he's at church and one of them is is they go to this mega church that's got the big screens and it's kind of funny because the senior pastor is a retired quarterback yeah so they watch the game on you know certain game when the home team is playing they watch the games at church so he's like I'm in Homer that was his transcendent experience so to speak and then the other one is when uh he's being very boisterous and giving amens and ride-ons in church and it turns out he's listening to the football game oh there you go yeah so so is our personal experience valid evidence for transcendence i think in in some respect yes does it does our our personal experience need to be uh, validated and challenged yeah certainly but um just because someone shares their experience doesn't mean that their experience was not true or valid can you back up just two minutes and, and in case somebody's listening to this that wasn't in on the sermon, what right. what is a transcendent experience? It is an experience where you have a distinct sense that there is some being or reality beyond the reality that we perceive with our senses. So there's a world beyond this world and that God exists beyond this world. 
He is the transcendent God who also, this is an entire discussion in theology going back for centuries, the issue of transcendence and immanence, that the transcendent God is high above the heavens, so he exists Ooh. beyond. That's very scriptural. Your eminence. I might want to be called but that he's, as a grandfather. He's imminent. No, oh, please. Okay. No. He's imminently near to us, that we can have we can have encounter with the transcendent God. So it's the issue of transcendence and imminence. So when I talk about an, a transcendent experience, it's when people, even even people who are skeptical of the Bible and of God, who acknowledge having an experience where there's an awareness that they're very small in this world. Yeah. And there's something beyond this world. Well, I think, it, you know, one of my, I don't know why I can never retain the scripture reference for this, but that scene, I believe it's in John, where... Um, I've talked about this several times where uh, Jesus says the hard saying and uh, everybody starts to leave. John uh, 6. John 6. And, uh, you know, are you going to go also? And Peter says, you know, basically, where else would I go? What else would I do? Peter came to this part in his walk and his relationship with Jesus where he had just seen too much. He had experienced too much to really in his heart be able to turn away and go, I hadn't seen those things. Yeah, that whole walking on water thing probably had a minor It had a minor slight impact. And, but the healing of people, the yeah. care for Jesus, from Jesus, the compassion, uh, how Jesus always seemed to spiritually be about 10 steps ahead of everybody. And so experiencing that, um, I, and the reason I'm shedding light on that is, as Christians, when we walk with the Lord, we have experiences, these experiences, and there's a really great value in these things that you can reflect on those times. And I bet you and I could sit here and go back and forth, reflect on those times when we had experiences with the Lord that we would either consider a miracle or a time when God spoke to us. Maybe not audibly, but through a circumstance. And we're going to get to a couple questions. Yeah, we're going to get to both that. Of these. So, yeah. But it's important. I think those, those, those things are really their mileposts, so to speak. And you really need to hold Ebenezer's. on to Yeah, there you go. Raise the Ebenezer, a pile right. of rocks. Right. So to speak. And so um, we need, you, I think they're very valuable. Right. So we shouldn't discount them. I would agree with that. Yeah. So, all right. Um, In the same vein, number four. Number four. Uh, do you think near-death experiences are real? So I talked about certain contemporary transcendent experiences that you have people in our day who are, you know, making evidence for some world or reality beyond this world. And one of them is near-death experiences. There are you know, thousands upon thousands of near-death experience reports on the Near-Death Experience Foundation website. And um, these are verified accounts of individuals who, you know, they, they flatlined, they died on the table, maybe cardiac arrest or whatever, and they were brought back to life. And they recount a, an experience, a near-death experience, where they, many, many times, there's a lot of similarities. Like, Something like 40% of these have some sort of tunnel with light at the end that they pass through. Many of them, the vast majority of them have like a, a life review where someone with a book with all of the events that happen in their life gives a life mm -hmm. review. Oftentimes they see individuals who have died before them, family members who have died before them. They, they oftentimes describe uh, beautiful scenes that are beyond anything that they've ever seen in this world and that are, can't be described with words, which is fascinating yeah. because Paul even says the same thing. He seems to have had a near-death experience that he describes. Well, didn't John kind of intimate that in also in Revelation he was having a hard time with right. words? Right, yeah. So, I mean, there are a number Isaiah, of things. undone. There are a number right? of situations yeah. of contemporary accounts of transcendent experiences near death where they there's some similarities to things that you read in Isaiah and Ezekiel and Revelation and from Paul. 
So do I think that near-death experiences are real? Absolutely. And I've met a few people. In fact, after the service this Sunday, I had two different people come up to me and say, I'll have to tell you about my near-death experience sometime. And I was like, I, I can't wait to hear Did it. Did they tell their mom they're a bad cook? <laughs> that That's how they almost died. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was just saying. But it was after that, after the frying pan to the head, that they had the experience. There you go. Right. You, you know, you want a near-death experience? Hmm. With these, just tell tell my wife or grandkids are ugly. Well, she doesn't have them quite yet. I just, They're not just here wait. yet. Oh, no. I saw an ultrasound for my a oldest 3D son's one? baby, a 3D. Yeah. And the kid looked like somewhere between... You, you're not supposed to say these things. Okay, I'm saying it anyway. The, I'm just being... I, honesty is important. He looked just like you, or she. No, she... Because it's a girl. It looked like a cross between a raisin and baby Yoda. Kind of like you in the morning. And I get this, oh, she's so cute. I mean, that's a lie. Straight from the pit. Okay. You know what? You have that is no not heart. Beautiful. Oh my okay? gosh! You now, deserve, when it's a little child and you it's walking around, they're beautiful. You deserve everything that's going to come to you post this conversation. You know what? Bring you it on. You deserve it all. You bring it on. You know what? Numbers they say five. A fool brings I'm helping, trouble. I'm trying to help upon you. his own home. I'm trying to help you. Number bring it five. on. I'm all trying right. to help you. Stinky little sweet potato kid. I'm sending this to your wife with a. You know stamp. what? I'm going to actually. Missy, I'm sorry. I'm going to call sorry. my. She's a girl. The first one. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna nickname her right now Sweet Potato. <laughs> she looked like a sweet potato. Speaking of granddaughters, number five. All right, yeah. All right, Cinco. My granddaughter. Wow, said the Bible tells me to love my enemies, and Satan is my enemy. What am I supposed to do? That's an awesome question, Mark. What? Well, I always just say I'm loving God and hating sin, baby. There you go. Yeah. So I got a real tough time with the devil. I don't like him. He is the enemy of God. He has made himself an enemy of God. Yeah. So. Wow. Yeah. That's that's my commentary. You can put that right now. Maybe I can get Guzik to put that in his commentary on the devil. This comes across as a very original question. Very original question. I've had kids I've, I've had ask a lot me of this questions. before. Uh, no, I've had yeah? I've Have had you? kids ask me this. And before. your answer has been what? Well, you don't really know the. De- I, 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 you know, we have to classify what is hate. I mean, the Bible does say love your enemies. Yeah. So. But he's he's not my enemy. He's God's enemy. Yeah. So. Theoretically. You're not going to see me praying for the devils. Theoretically. Yeah. Could the devil repent and be redeemed? I think so. You think so? I mean. I mean, I know he won't because I believe that there is scripture given about what is going to happen. And I believe that it to be. Uh, predictive of what will happen. Yeah. So he ain't going to do it. Could he? This has been an ongoing discussion for quite some time, and there's a number of opinions on it. So, I don't know the devil. I just know his works. I don't like his works. Right. I don't like what the devil does to people's lives. That's for sure, and we have seen the effects. And I don't like, to, I don't like what the devil tries to do to my life. So, so I have a strong dislike. Do you have the, the loophole, so to speak, to hate this enemy, the devil. You know what? If I'm going to go out and, and, and on a, on on a, a limb, limb, I want to risk. Yeah. You know, going to be with the Lord and all that. And I know that I'm under grace. I'm going to say hate the devil. Hate the devil. Hate the, that's what I'm going to say. Yeah. I mean, there's some evil people out there. I still pray for them. Okay. Number six is transcendences. Transcendence. Transcendence. I think okay. Is there, okay. I was wondering because I was reading and I had my glasses on. Is transcendence connected to transcendental meditation 
And is it bad to meditate? Hmm. hmm. I don't know about no transcendental medication and, you know, whatnot. Have you heard of the Maharashi Yogi? I think I drank some of his tea the other day. That's Yerba Mate. No, it was no. Yogi tea. Yogi tea. I was wondering if it'd make me join a cult and shave my head. Maharashi Yogi. That's a great, like, it just sounds so Yogi-esque. I would never name a dog that, though. He's the guy who came up with TM, Transcendental Meditation. Transcendental Medications? No, not Medications. Oh, Transcendental Meditation. The Mahayashi Yogi. Maharashi Yogi. Okay, now that was a big deal in the 70s. Well, it started in the 50s. Oh, is but that yeah, what it was? But, took but, off but I mean, in the 70s, well, I remember the, as a kid. Once you had the big, the move of, because you had Transcendental medi- Meditation. I almost said medication because you said yeah. it. And then you had in the 1950s, Timothy Leary in the 1960s, oh, yeah. bringing in the whole thing of yep. uh, psychedelics, especially LSD. Groovy, baby. And when you put those things together with things like astral projection, then Ooh. you get people into all kinds of wackiness. Well, you had what? Isaac Asimov. And there was a lot Isaac of Isaac Asimov. No, hang on a second. Isaac Asimov, he's the writer of like the- He's a Christian, s- isn't he? Christian. No, he's, he's a science fiction writer, wasn't he? You had a lot of weird stuff out there. Yeah, I don't know. Asimov. Yeah, there were some crazy people. Asimov. Yeah, Asimov. He was was a writer. Yeah. You you know who was a heretic? Huh? Total heretic? Dr. Spock. Well, Dr. Spock's not the same as Spock. No, different. No. He, 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 He killed the good name of Spock. That guy had some... I didn't like his child rearing books. I never read his books. That was way, way before my time. Uh, so, Transcendental Meditation is... So... Transcendental meditation is kind of a mantra-oriented meditation that people, through repeating the same mantra over and over again in a meditative state, they enter into some sort of uh, transcendent experience, basically. So They think you're talking to God, huh? Well, not so much, but getting in touch with the higher levels of the universe. So they're like, they're hanging out, going, hmm, mecha leka high, mecha high. I mean, it's, it's very clear yeah. that there are, how shall we say, non-righteous ways to have encounters with transcendence like for example the occult do you know people have been involved in the occult oh yes i do yeah people who get into um seances and they you know work through mediums to connect with um the other realm or through ouija boards or all kinds of different things tarot cards bad stuff so the occult is an unrighteous way this is Exactly what the Old Testament, we're going to be getting into Deuteronomy. We'll talk about some of this stuff where it is forbidden for people to engage with uh, transcendent experience through those sorts of things. So they're unrighteous. They're not in accordance with God's nature or his law. So I would say the same thing about something like trans, transcendental meditation. I would also say the same thing about people who are doing some of the meditative practices today that involve psychedelics, just like they were in the 1960s. It's coming back with a vengeance today. Yeah. So there's all kinds of people who are doing uh, ungodly, unrighteous things, engaging with pharmakia in the Greek, which is yep. sorcery would be translated that, but also where we get our idea of pharmaceuticals in the sense of like uh, narcotics, especially hallucinogens to engage with some of those things. So um, yeah, there's all kinds of different things that people could engage with that would potentially open them up to transcendent experience. And, and some of them are not necessarily unrighteous things like fasting. You know, people who go on extended fasts will have ecstatic experience. And uh, there's all kinds of different things. But okay. So I think we have to we have to be careful with those yeah. things and make sure that we are doing such things in accordance with the, the nature of God. So a real simple one, and I want to know where you would rate this on that scale. You know, when you put together a Bible study, right, 
Yeah. There's a, obviously there's there's harmonies in the gospels, there's verses that you typically share together, things like that. But when you're you're sitting there and you're praying right. and you're putting a sermon together and you're in the zone, you're in the zone so to speak. I mean, I think it's fair to say that the Lord shares things with you. That's yeah. an experience. Right. But you're experiencing it through meditating, concentrating, focusing your his, attention and mind on his word. Right. And when you focus and meditate on God's word, this is a very simple thing. You're praying those scriptures or you're praying about those scriptures and you're asking the Lord to specifically, hey, open up my heart and mind and show me what it is you'd really want to talk about. I mean, it 52 weeks a year, man, he is faithful to do that. Well, and I think and that it, you ask anybody who has to put a Bible study together every week and we joke around that it's a superpower right. to be able to do that. But I think that's a bit of a transcendent experience. How do you rate that? Do you think so? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's in line with righteous meditation. Like God speaking through Joshua tells him as he's preparing to bring the children of Israel into the promised land, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate there in day and night that you may observe to do according to all that's written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and have good success. So that's Joshua 1.8. And then Psalm 1, blessed is the man, you know, he talks yeah. about in his word, he meditates day and night. So there is a form of Eastern meditation TM, Transcendental Meditation, would be connected to some of this, but some of it is being, it's kind of being rebranded in the 21st century under things like mindfulness and different forms of meditation. And and even yoga, in its purest sense, has connections to some of these sort of things of positioning yourself in certain positions, body positions, and then meditating from those positions uh, to try and uh, remove focus or attention from the self and to have kind of a disembodied encounter. And so there's all kinds of things that people do that would not be in accordance with the scripture. But one of the things you can do that is in accordance with the scripture is to meditate upon and to think on the word of God, like what you're talking about right. there. And there have been many times where I am praying, I'm reading and studying through the scriptures where um, you you kind of have a loss of the sense of everything else that's going on around you. And you get like an an amazing focus on what's going on and you you end up putting these things together for this message and you're like man i don't know where that came from i never thought of that before and it's as if the lord is just very clearly by his spirit speaking to you and so there's a lot of people who speak of kind of being in the zone or having that kind of focus when they are extremely focused on whatever it is that they're doing and they're in kind of a meditative state but there are ways in which i think you can do that that would be outside of the bounds of what is right, righteous, right, and in accordance with God's nature. So, so yeah, I do think we need to be discerning and careful about those sort of things. Right. But we also should recognize that there are certain things in this world that open us up to encounters with kind of an ecstatic experience. Some yeah. of them involve good, substances, good and, and some of them don't involve right. substances. Yeah. Some of them involve prayer. Some of them involve fasting. Some of them involve all kinds of different things. So we just have to be very careful with the way that we engage with these things. Yeah. So I... Um, is it bad to meditate to experience a transcendent experience? Well, it, uh, as long as it's in line with what we find in the scriptures, I think you right. can pretty much be safe. Yeah. And, so. and I think it's important to ask God to, you know, keep you aware of like where the boundaries are. Yeah. Give me some fences. Give me some curbs, Lord. Right. So I think we answered that. Give me some wisdom. Yeah. Number seven, uh, have you had any other transcendent experiences besides the one you shared on Sunday? 
Did you hear me talk about that on Sunday? I didn't message? get to that. I was just, it's towards the end of your sermon. I was, yeah. So I was gone quick, this Sunday, by the way, is my disclaimer. Yeah. So real quick recap. I, the one that I shared, and I didn't have a lot of time on Sunday to get to it, but the one that I shared in the second and third service was an experience of very clear answered prayer where my wife and I had a bill that was just under $1,200 that came unexpectedly. And my wife being the spiritual one, she said, well, we should pray. And I kind of cynically said, well, yeah, I guess let's pray, you know, like the good pastor that I am. And so we prayed real quick prayer. Lord, we, you know, you knew about this bill. We didn't know about it. I'm stressed about it. Would you provide for it? And within 48 hours with from three different sources, God provided the exact amount of money for the bill. And I look at that and I just go, I can't see that as a coincidence. It seems too much as if God answered that prayer. So, so have I ever had any other experiences like that? Uh, one that comes to mind, Mark, you know, the, one of the gifts of the spirit fruit or gifts of the spirit being the word of knowledge. Right. Um, I believe I had a situation like that. This is almost 10 years ago. I was running a whole bunch and, uh, had gotten into the real distance running thing. And then I started to develop this like severe back pain. And for weeks I had this back pain and I thought maybe we needed a new mattress. And for a while I was like sleeping on the hard floor because it was like that was the only way I could get comfortable. And I was in all kinds of pain and and uh, trying to get help for this. Ended up buying a new bed and all this sort of stuff. It wouldn't go away. And then I remember one morning, really early in the morning, it must have been like four or five in the morning, I'm laying in bed in just total pain. And I, I was kind of praying, God, I really need you to help me with this back pain. You got to help me figure out what this is and take it away. And I had this thought that just came out of nowhere. And it was not an audible voice, but it was very clear, like someone was telling me. And the, the word was this, it's not your back, it's your kidneys. You need to drink more water. And I thought, well, that's strange, but it's worth a try. So... I got up that morning, started drinking a whole bunch of water, drank a whole bunch of water for several days. My back pain went away. So you're going into renal failure or whatever? I don't know, but I I clearly had some problems with my kidneys and not my back. So, and then, uh, yeah, got all dealt with by, I think I was way dehydrated and wasn't drinking enough. Wow. Yeah. But it was like a very clear word of knowledge. Came out of nowhere. I'm laying there. God, I really need you to help me with this back pain. And just so clear as day. It's not your back. It's your kidneys. You need to drink more water. Yeah, I I would say. Uh, for me, I, there's too many to talk about. Right. Um, when you're in ministry in our position, and you have the amount of the same, I probably have more contact with people than you do because sometimes you're, you're in the pulpit. I'm not talking to people, but right. And but just over the years, and then being from a larger church, there's too many. I've seen too many miracles. I've seen too many answers to prayer. Yeah, answers to prayer. Too many things that clearly, where God had spoken and come through. Uh, that I can't, where else would I go? What else, what would I do? Right. It's, it's too hard to deny. And I'm going to say, and I will get to this a little bit. I think one of the things that I would say about the American church, uh, because you mentioned a term for this being science, something or other. Scientism. Yeah. Um, where we elevate science to like a religion. Um, it, I think that we're a little bit dry sometimes on talking about supernatural things that right. we can't explain. And we really, without the supernatural, there's no Bible. There's no relationship with right. the Lord. The entire thing is a supernatural experience 
with our Lord. And I think we, we try to, we have to be really careful that we don't try to, um, you know, commodify the Bible, take the Bible and, and turn it into just facts and places and people and things because um, there's so much about it we can't explain. Right. That is spiritual and, and it's meant to be something we can't explain why Jesus was able to, with the centurion's faith, heal this girl from a distance. Right. But it went to it. It proved a point. Right. Uh, and so those things in our lives and I've just seen too many things. And so I think the church could do a better job well, of talking about. And I think it's worth things. It's worth noting that we are a product of our culture. Yes. And if you go into some other places in the world, Central and South America, Africa, Asia, Middle East, there's there's more of an acceptance and recognition of the supernatural, of miracles, right. of transcendent experiences dreams and visions, things that we would be highly skeptical of in our culture and kind of somewhat cynically deride or poo-poo, if you will. Yeah. Um, I'll that, go poo-poo. Yeah, yeah. In other countries, it, it, there's just a recognition that these things are more real. So we need to understand we're kind of a product of our post-enlightenment scienti- scientism culture. And, you know, thinking about this, if you go back and you even look at the study of theology in the last 200 years, so you go back in the 19th and 20th centuries, in the 19th century, you had this kind of view of what is referred to as immanentism, that everything, that well, it's kind of put like this. There was a theologian in the 19th century from Germany named Friedrich Schleiermacher. I like that name, Schleiermacher. That is not German at all. No. And Schleiermacher, wow. he, he kind of had this immanentism view that everything that happens is a miraculous miracle of God. It's all miraculous. Everything going on around us is miraculous. And in some sense, there's truth to that. I mean... Your, both of your son, your son and daughters and laws and all that, there's a miracle going on. Right on. Conception and babies being, you know, born yeah. and all this sort of stuff. That's a miracle. There's something absolutely miraculous. And when they're teenagers, you, you, you pray for a miracle. It's a miracle if they survive. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so Schleiermacher. De- that's our near-death experience. There segment. you go. Yeah. Schleiermacher, he had a view of immanentism that everything is miraculous. And then kind of in response to that in the 20th century, you have a guy named Karl Barth and and he has a view that kind of separates from that, uh, that God is very distant kind of a mindset. So you have these two different sides, like this reaction to a, over a hyper view of God's presence in everything that happens, and then kind of a disconnected view of miracles that now no, didn't happen. So we are a product of that. So here we are in the 21st century Western you know, culture and built upon a scientific method going all through the whole, uh, what do you call it, post-enlightenment period of time, modernism, the whole deal, post-modernism now, where we, we're very skeptical of everything that happens, and we got to be careful about that because there are things that are going on that we cannot be explained easily with just experimentation and scientific method. Well, there's a whole spiritual world that right. we don't see. That That is it. That's what we believe in. We yeah, believe that we have the no evidence supports that. that. Yeah. So... I gave five evidences this last Sunday of things that seem to support that conclusion. Um, in fact, I, I read a great quote the other day from an apologist that I really like having to do with this whole topic on the issue of um, uh, of faith. Because, you know, sometimes you'll talk with people who are kind of modernistically oriented or scientifically oriented, and they kind of downplay the idea of faith. And, and uh, William Lane Craig, he said, faith is trusting in what we have good reason to think is true. I think that's a really good statement. Mm-hmm. So to make the statement that 
there is a reality beyond this world, uh, we have good reason to think that that's true because of the things that we see, like our own personal experience, like predictive prophecy coming to pass, you know, these sort of things, near-death experiences, miracles. Uh, I mean, the last question here, number eight, have you ever personally experienced a miracle? Again, I'd have to say the same thing that you have, that yeah. there's a number of things that would be, you know, I'd, I'd have too many to think of where I, I think I've seen God's hand moving in that situation. And there's different ways that we respond to that. You know, sometimes people think that uh, a miracle is, um, you know, God supernaturally reaching into this world and doing something beyond natural occurrences, which I would say, yeah, that, that seems to be what a miracle sure. is. But other people think that miracles are not necessarily breaking the laws of nature, but they just conform with the laws of nature and, and even laws of nature that we don't we don't recognize or they're very little virtually unknown laws of nature. However you describe it, it seems to be that there are events that happen that cannot be explained by what we would we refer to as uh, the rational sciences, if you will. Now, someone will hear that, hear me say that and say, well, that's just irrational. It's like, well, yeah, but we have good reason to think it's true because people who were sick and now they're not sick suddenly healed and there's a miracle that's been taking place or there's all kinds of different things. Financial miracles right? I've seen, uh -huh. uh, heal, miracles of healing, uh, miracles in relationships. Yeah. I mean, oh, that's a great one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you think about it, one of the greatest miracles of all is the fact that, fact that a man's heart will turn from evil and accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and the miracle in the person's life. You watch that person's life and they've truly accepted the Lord and you just can't explain that. Yeah. That's a miracle. Well, I got another incredible miracle. Talk about your both transcendent, you, the trans, transcendent experiences. Here's a transcendent that. experience of miraculous that both you and I experienced. Missy Childers and Andrea De Benedictus. Those are miracles that they said, yes, that's yes, they a did. miracle. Well, I was going that it was a con, but okay. It was a miracle because they're clear thinking women. Apparently not. They must have heard they said from the yes. Lord. They're both, they're both from the medical field, both nurses. Man. I, well, I mean. We pulled a fast one. And I've, I've mentioned this before in the pulpit. What, my wife got a word from the Lord. And I won't belabor the whole story. But basically, I was in a place where I wasn't wanting to be part of church. Right, yeah. I bummed uh -huh. out at church. And she told me that she had got like a prophetic thing that her husband was going to be a pastor at a Calvary Chapel. There you go. And I said, and wow. And you went, Calvary, what? I, no, I said, I wonder who you're going to marry for the next guy because <laughs> it sure as hell isn't going to be me. That's ooh, what I said. Oh, man. I was not happy with church. Well, joke's on you, Mark Childers. Yeah, it's all her fault. Or his fault. But yeah. But anyway, it's good. But well, it was good kind job, of a, Carl it, Barth. It, it brings us a good, a good chuckle now and then. So uh, yeah, good stuff. So, um, yeah, don't doubt the miraculous and it's, it's in the Bible and, uh, you know, give it a chance. So gosh, uh, so have you had any, yes, we've had a bunch of transcendent experiences and, uh, they're awesome. I don't know. I can't, I was told this once. I don't know. It's not necessarily a scripture reference. I can point to it, but I've been told this by a couple older pastors than I is that they have found that miracles and transcendent experiences don't typically, like a miracle isn't typically what brings people to faith, but it does definitely shore up faith that's already there. And I don't know if that's just a, a well, nuance or nomenclature, but... The way that I kind of approach it, mm -hmm. you know, the, the Gospel of John uh, says that there are many other works that Jesus did aside from these that are recorded in these books, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So... So I would say that, yeah, faith can be the product of the miraculous, 
I think that one of the other reasons that God oftentimes works in a providential way, you know, miraculously, is to substantiate or to validate truth. So in the... That's what I was saying. Like, if there's a little bit of faith already there... Right. Sometimes that will bring us into a more faithful thing. So like the Gospel of John is written around seven miracles and seven I am statements. And it's, and I think it is purposefully that there's a reason why John constructed, and I think inspired by the Holy Spirit to do so, that he intentionally constructed the gospel of John in that way, that the I am statements of Jesus, I am the bread Mm -hmm. of life, I am the good shepherd, I am the door of the sheep, those I am statements of the gospel of John are validated by the miracles because the I am statements all point to the I am. Jesus is right. God incarnate. Right. So he is repeating a number of times in the Gospel of John, I am. I am the I am of Je- of Exodus chapter 3, where Moses says, who shall I tell the children of Israel sent me? And he says, I am who I am. So Jesus is saying, I am that one. I'm God. And the seven miracles substantiate or validate the message. He turns water into wine, he feeds the multitudes with just a very little bit of food. He, you know, you go through all the different miracles, raises Jairus's daughter, and heals the lame man at the pool. Raises? Of It'll be a miracle if we ever get a raise. No. <laughs> that would be a miracle. Yeah, not for this podcast. I guarantee you that. So all of those, yeah. they validate who he is, and the greatest of all miracles validating that Jesus is God is the resurrection. Well, and one of the things that I point to when I taught through it was when we have Jesus is basically. He's completed basically what I call the the signature miracles of the Messiah, the trifecta. Yes, he's 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 raised from the dead, uh, healed the blind man, and he's healing lepers, and he's doing all these things that are evidences of the things that we were expecting out of the uh, or Messiah, we were told the, to expect. The, the, yes, the, yeah. the 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 cripple is walking upright, and all those things. He actually had a confrontation with John the Baptist, so to speak, long distance. Uh, that John was looking for. Uh, but all that being said, the Pharisees around him, or let's call them the religious elite, who should have been looking for the Messiah, when they saw those miracles, there was no seed of faith in their heart. All they saw was threatened. Those miracles did not cause faith or salvation in those people. Didn't happen. Yeah, and I would go on that because I kind of round up, rounded mm-hmm. up my message on Sunday with the, you know, talking about skeptics, because, you know, the Pharisees were religious skeptics. You know, these were some of the most religious people around, and they didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. And I I think that was in spite of evidence, that they refused to believe right. because they did not want him to be. Right. He was not the Messiah they wanted. Right. He's the Messiah, but not the one they wanted. They didn't have a, that was not what they had their expectation. So I, I think the same is true for the naturalistic, humanistic, atheistic, scientism believer of our day, that it's not that they are without evidence. They they disbelieve not because of lack of evidence, but because they don't want to believe God. Right. Just as Paul said in Romans 1, they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. They didn't want to believe in God. Right. Because with the acceptance that there is a God, there is the accountability to be accountable to him. And I think there's plenty of people who are in the category of they just don't want there to be a God that they are morally accountable to. Yeah, I see in uh, the confrontation with the healing of the man born blind. Yeah. And I put this out with my students at the time was, 
my students. That sounds so. I know. I was thinking, like wow, academia. No, we're talking junior high kids. Junior okay? high kids, yeah. But also with the men's group at the time, um, everything was all the evidence existed in that encounter to, in a court of law, either in the United States or at the time, in in Jerusalem, to either acquit or exonerate Jesus as the Messiah. Right. Uh, you had testimony, you had witnesses, and you had evidence. Uh, you know, in the testimony of these witnesses, and you had hard evidence, facts. And then you have the fact that nobody had ever been healed of congenital blindness there. Yeah. You had that also. But he was, he was, it was proven that he was blind. Uh, and there were witnesses that say, yes, he's been blind since birth. Everywhere from his parents all the way down to his neighbors. And then there was the evidence that he could now see and that Jesus healed him. And they still did not accept that. Everything they needed by their law to convict or exonerate by their legal standards, they did not apply that to this situation. They were so blind because there was no seed of faith there. It's like one of the great stories of Luke's gospel, Luke 16, Mm -hmm. I believe it is, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. Yeah. Who both die, and one is carried to a place of torment, and the other is taken to a place of comfort. Give me a drop off your Slurpee so I may quench my thirst. Yeah, that's the modern translation. How good would a Slurpee taste if you were in hell? I don't even want to think about either one. (laughs) Hell or Slurpees? But it's fascinating because the rich man in torment Because I'll tell you, a Slurpee in, in El Centro... Is just Good way better in the summer. But the rich man says to Abraham, send back Lazarus to go talk to my yeah. brothers. And they, he says, well, they have they have the Moses and the prophets. Yeah, they they should it. hear him. But then what's really fascinating is that we do have the story of a man named Lazarus who came back from the dead. And the religious establishment, instead of looking at that and saying, hey, we should believe in Jesus who raised him from the yeah, dead. We, we want to rethink they this They said, thing. let's kill them both. Yeah, that was their reaction. Let's kill Lazarus. Let's kill Jesus because this ain't good for us. Yeah. So we're going to lose our position. Faith is trusting in what we have good reason to think is true. Yeah. And uh, I think we have great evidence for transcendence, that God exists outside of the world that we can perceive. All right. Well, that brings us to number eight. We kind of answered it. We kind of danced around it. Well, have we had other besides the ones you shared? The the answer is yes. Have you personally experienced a miracle? Yes. Number eight. Yes. Absolutely. Number eight. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Many miracles. Yeah. Watch them firsthand. Like? Um, I had a time when we had a business. Most people don't know this, but I was actually in the arms business. I shipped arms all Human over bodies? the world. Human bodies? Arms? Nope. Not, not arms and legs, but actually arms. Oh, guns, guns. Weapons. Ah, Second Amendment stuff. Of, yeah. Of small destruction. Bang, bang. Yes. Pew, pew. All over the world. We did that for 10 years, and anybody who's ever been self-employed knows that getting a business off the ground is really rough. And um, I remember just one in particular, I mean, there's been so many, but one in particular where really could not, I used to say we could not buy the steam off a hot lunch. We had nothing as we were starting our business. And I remember uh, being part of a church plant uh, kind of in my rebound from a kind of a weird experience at a church and kind of caused me to fall out of love with church and uh, now I know that's God's imperfect chosen instrument for us. And it's, they're all imperfect because I'm in them. Yeah. But anyway, as part of this church and uh, we were having a, just a very abrupt financial need. 
at the same time, my son was very sick, running a really high fever. And, you know, when you have kids, there's that fever to can't, are we going to the ER? Are we not going to the ER? Uh, kind of one of those things where, you know, you're self-employed, so you had no health insurance, things like that. And I called my pastor at the time at this little church and I asked him to pray with us and I told him what my needs are and I didn't need money from the church or them. I was, you know, wanting and expecting that God was trying to communicate something to me. And so um, just to pray that I would hear what it was that the Lord wanted to happen and that he would spare my son and grant us this financial miracle. And so, um, and I had literally prayed over my son and said, Lord, let me have the fever. Let me feel bad. Let me have the snotty nose because I understand it and he doesn't. And I would gladly take that upon me to um, take and relieve his pain and his suffering. And I prayed that and Lord, you know, pray with us along with this miracle here. It's where we're in trouble too here. And it's like, we're having a bad day. And so um, I relayed that to the pastor and we, then, you know, my wife and I went and we prayed some more and I had a home office and I went next door into my home office and I looked out of the fax machine and there was an order for, I'll never forget this, but there were Beretta handguns and it was an old order. I already had the licenses for it, but they just never wanted to do it or ship it. Uh, they just decided they may probably didn't want them. And there was an order hanging out of my fax machine with a receipt that they actually already had sent the money and the money was already in the bank and it was exactly the figure that I needed to do that. And then when I went back into the room to tell my wife, Hey, that's one part of the great news. Um, she was very moved because my son's fever broke at that time and it was starting to go down rapidly. So we weren't going to the ER and then, uh, kind of a bummer of the story was as I called my pastor back at the time and I said, hey, dude, thanks for, you know, praying and God has done this and this. And he kind of blew it off like it was no big deal. Like he It did. wasn't me. It was I not you. No, no, no. He's not a pastor anymore. Oh, okay. And he wasn't a horrible guy, but I could it just, I had some doubts about some of the things that he believed or said just because I didn't really feel that the Holy Spirit was a big part of his life. And I was praying about leaving the church very quietly. And, um, and, you know, praying with him and letting him know, but nobody else needed to know. And, uh, it confirmed that he did not believe in miracles and the works of God. And really a lot of things that were spiritual, he tried to explain that off and other things. And it was a sign for me that God had him fully in, in, you know, there, but the big lesson was, is the Lord explained to me that much like my prayer, Jesus is the one that came and took on the prayer, the sin uh, and paid the price that I couldn't pay and did the suffering because he understood the consequence of God understands the consequence of sin and eternal suffering. And so he said, what you're praying for your son is what I did for you. There you go. And everything was cool after that. He was, he was part of reassuring me and bringing me back on that road into uh, belief in his, not just him, but the, uh, my relationship with church and the organism of church it's a living breathing organism and so uh, it was a big part step for me in spiritual maturity and understanding the imperfection of church and people and pastors and myself and uh acting a little bit more accordingly and with grace truly so, truly yeah. so that was a miracle that was just a little one yeah there i mean i think we both have lots of different stories like that but i think one of the 
biggest miracles that I've had the opportunity to see on a number mm-hmm. of occasions is the transformation that comes about in a person's life when they encounter salvation in Christ. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. And seeing, seeing that transformation is phenomenal. I mean, I've seen marriages restored. I've seen people, you know, have the, the kind of chain and the binding of substance abuse just completely removed from them. I've seen people healed from illnesses and, you know, there have been other times where we pray for people and they're not healed, but there have been, there have been plenty of times where I've seen God work in miraculous ways that just kind of, uh, any old explanation doesn't explain it. Yeah. I, I, I knew a guy, a friend of mine, he, they were, he was a, uh, native American here, local, one of the tribes. And, uh, his dad was a 20 plus year drug user. And I mean the hard stuff, dropping acid, all this other Coffee. stuff. Coffee. Yeah, no, no, no frappuccinos there. Oh, haven't okay. been invented yet. Um, f- had an encounter with the Lord and gave his life to Jesus and never touched drugs again Yeah, until the day of his death. Yeah, and that. just as militant as he was about taking drugs, as, as militant as he became about the word and drawing close to the Lord. So there were some definitely some, you know. Got some, hooked on Jesus. Some rough edges there. Right. But I mean, that's a miracle. Amen. You yeah. try to pitch that one at the 12-step program. Yeah, it's not, and he never went back to it. And just seeing miracles like that. Um, yeah. So this Sunday. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. We want to hear from you if you They're miracles. have a miracle or a transcendent experience. Near-death experience, those are always amazing. Yeah. would love to hear it. Yeah. Wow. It'll be a miracle if they tune in next week. Yeah, after all this. Yeah. This was a long one. Was it? Yeah. Wow. We only had eight questions. But you and I are long-winded. Well, you know, pneuma. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that Greek? Kind of, sort of. Yeah, sort of. So. And the Hebrew would be... Ruach. Ruach. All right. So. Anyways, I guess we'll see you Sunday. And I think we're talking about life and connection with one another. And if we ever have, you know, what do we say? What do we say about ourselves? If we have enough brains to not be dangerous? No, 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 no. We're smart enough to be dangerous. Yeah, we're just, we're just smart enough to be dangerous. If we're ever smart enough to not be dangerous, it'll be a miracle. Amen. Praise the Lord. We'll see you next time. Happy trails. Wow.